0: Listen to the Holy Spirit lead me, and when he leads me, then I give to you. Picture, if you would, this. And I'm not, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. If you do, please see me before you leave so we can discuss it because I may not articulate it right. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He called me. Amen? And that means whenever I come here on Sunday morning, or whenever I'm talking to you on the telephone, or if I happen to be visiting with you, or you happen to shoot me a text with a question, or you're needing something, or the Lord, I, I, for prayer time, for what to preach, for what to read and study, I depend on God. And therefore, there's something called anointing that has to happen. Anointing is not whether or not I'm whispering or screaming. Anointing is not whether or not I'm running across the stage or walking or if I'm sitting in a chair. Anointing is whenever my spirit man gets with the Holy Spirit and do what he says. So don't think anybody looks down on you if, you know, we we want to hold our hands up. I mean, you can praise God this way, this way, this way, this way, or you can do this because it's what's going on inside the heart because he's the only one that knows but sometimes like when we have a altar call that's God talking if I am in anointing and I'm tuned in with God who has called me to preach who has called me to speak I want to tell you now this morning before I got up I was in prayer and saying Lord use me I'm praying that the words that come out of my mouth will be what he wants So when we say, you know, give the Lord a hand. A lot of people's not not comfortable with doing this. So we say, well, let's give him some praise. You know, you can praise God in about any way you want to praise him. And so it makes it okay. But sometimes God is actually saying to you, through me or whoever the speaker may be, let's give God praise. Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from Jesus Christ who the Spirit doesn't do anything unless he tells him to do it, right? And if a minister is tuned in with the Spirit, then you do what he says. Because I am going to show you some things here in just a minute to let you know that you got to stay focused with the Lord. So let's give him, this is your opportunity to give praise. It's up to you whether you want to give him glory. You can stand up and hold your hands up. It's a new year. You made it to a new year. You made it here this morning. And you can say, well, Ken does that, and I don't like it when he does it. I'm going to refer you to the Master. The Holy Spirit said, do this, Ken, I did it. Who told him? Jesus. And we have our choices as to whether or not we're going to praise or whether we're not. Because he may have said, this is the kind of praise that I want right now. Now, if Jesus was standing up here in sandals and a beard and you saw the holes in his hands and he's walking around and he says, do this, I'm sure you'd probably do anything he said do. And it's not, and, and I wanted to get that over as we're starting this new year off and the message that we're going to this morning to say, I don't get up here to put a show on. Now, I'm not looking for amens, asking for your agreement. I'm letting you know, I don't get up here to put a show on. I don't call you to put a show on. I don't not come and call you to put a show on. I like to follow the leading of the Lord because he knows what he wants done. And he's putting stuff together right now that we don't have a clue what he's going to do within the next 10 minutes or the next 10 hours. It's all about him, amen? And if you know what, if he becomes the Lord of our lives, we, have to, we get to do a whole lot less worrying and fussing and fighting and, and, and just we get to put a lot of stuff away. That's what anointing is. And by the way, we all need to have anointing. It's where the gears of God and the gears of our spirit flow together. When those gears mix up and they don't mesh, that's when you try to do something, you try to make something happen, you try to mimic something, you try to do these things, but God ain't in it. It can seem that way, but it ain't. So I just wanted you to know that. Sometimes when we say, hey, give the Lord a hand clap of praise, I want you to think of it in those terms. I, it, I don't gain anything whether you pray, whether you praise him or not. Clap your hands or not, but think of it in those terms. Maybe he just put it in my heart to give to you, and that's what he's asking you to do, and think of it that way. Was that okay? All righty. I've got two hours to preach because it's a new year. Amen. <laughs> he gets to do what he wants, and that's what we're here to do. As we're getting started, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Thank you so much for the offering this morning. We appreciate it. We will use it. Got a little left over because I didn't run the truck much this week. We were sick. So I didn't burn no fuel this week at all. But uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Follow the leading of the Lord. Matthew chapter 24 is where I want you to turn to. I'll tell you what to go to here in just a minute. I'm going to tell you, I got a whole bunch of notes this morning, and I'm not sure, I, I really don't know how God's wanting us to go. I know where we're headed, but a lot of stuff just come pouring in, so I just i just started making notes. And y'all, y'all know me, sometimes I appreciate I ain't got a note one, I listen to, I look at the, the, the there, and sometimes I like to give out what he gives me, and I want to make sure I didn't miss it. So I don't know where this is headed, I don't know where it's going, other than to tell you that Jesus loves you, and if you ain't saved, you need to be that way before you leave. And by the way, if you're still breathing, as you was when you came in, you need to walk out these doors different than when you came in, closer to him. Amen? That's what we're striving to do. That's where we're headed to. So, this is a day of notorious resolutions. Isn't it? Now, let me see your hands. Did you make a resolution? All righty then. We got some unmotivated people in the house. Because if you make a resolution, that means you set a goal. Well, let me tell you this. It's one of those things that people make resolutions. About 45% of Americans made resolutions that probably last night or today of something that they're going to do. And they're going to resolve to do that within a certain time frame. We like time frames, don't we? Sometimes we like putting God on a time frame. Let me let you in on a secret. You're wasting your effort because God does his own thing when he's ready. Amen. He didn't ask you when he created all this. He didn't ask you when the sun's going to come up or if it's going to rain or snow. My brother Gary and I are the only two people in Huddleston in this church right now who could be stoned for what I'm about to say. We're praying for snow. It's wintertime. And all the kids, I know y'all with me, ain't you kids? Up to the horse's ears, big horses too, she's got big horses, not the little Shetland ponies. But the top ten things that people resolve to do or make resolutions, what's number one? (laughs) You got it. The number one resolution is to lose weight. Now we were sick this week, I lost ten pounds this week just with the sickness. I had this thing three more weeks, I'm down 40 pounds. I'm the size of slim next week if I kept this thing this much time. I'd be slim too. But the number one is to lose weight. The second one is to get organized. The third one is to spend less and save more. The fourth one is to enjoy life to the fullest. The fifth one, staying fit and healthy. Number six, learn something exciting. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, Help others in their dreams. Number nine, now this one surprised me, is fall in love. Nobody resolves to fall in love. And number ten is to spend more time with family. If you'll notice, all of those, except probably one or two of them, had something to do with me and what I'm getting out of it. Right? It's about me. Forty-five percent of Americans will make resolutions. And today is the first... By Wednesday, which will be the third, the success rate of almost all of those resolutions will be about 99.7%, meaning they're hanging in there. After Wednesday, they start to fall off. (laughs) And by six months, only eight people are still pursuing their resolution. Now, if you were going to start a company, what would you want to start it in? some kind of health gear to lose weight quick, something, and you want to get those people so for six months you can, you can rape them for their money. You can just drain them. And that's what marketers look at. That's where I got this from. They know their data because, you know what, we've been watching all the gym commercials and all the stuff that you can get, all the this and the that. Why? Because they want to get from you. Does this have anything to do with the Word of God? I'm not sure, but it will. A man asks the one man, he says to him, he says, what are the two problems in the world? And the fellow looked at him and he said, I don't know and I don't care. And the man said, yep, you got them both. He didn't know he was answering them. That's something that's called ignorance and indifference. And folks, at this, uh, at this point in history, or at this point in time, I guess I should say, or at this point in time in my life, ignorance and indifference is something that is your, if you got this, you're, you're um, very unwise and you're very foolish. They just read something a moment ago talking about what's going on with Israel. We remember God loves Israel, right? They are His chosen, right? He's going to be reunited with them someday, right? There's going to be 144,000 of them that's going to say, yeah, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They're going to be saved. You know, we can do all that and go through all that. But being ignorant and being indifferent is a dangerous place to be particularly with the subject of God particularly with the subject of the Bible particularly of where your eternal outcome is going to be ignorance and indifference is not something to have I don't know and I don't care and in this world we're living in right now there's a whole lot of that going on what's in it for me? what can I gain? where where can I go? what's this going to do for me? is this going to hurt me or help me? am I going to come out on top? those are the kinds of questions And we wonder, and we talk, and we've been preaching. I've been preaching for five years now, going on six. We we talk about Jesus coming back. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning, this is going to be participation at some point. If you believe Jesus is coming back to get his church, raise your hands because you're going to be giving him some glory because you're saying, I believe the word of God. He is coming back. The disciples We're walking around. The apostles were walking around at the end after Jesus had ascended into heaven and each day they were looking for him to return. That's why they could go through the things they went through. They knew they were doing it for him. Their faith was so strong and they said he's coming back. And he ain't yet. And that causes people to grow weary. That causes us to lose our our strength. That causes us to question our faith. And then we like doing churchy things. But let me tell you what it's going to be like. The first day of the year, I figured this is a good message because this is what God gave me. So it's a good message whether it's June the 3rd or not. I I don't know. I don't calendar preach much at all. Matthew 24, verse 36. I'm doing New King James there, Charlie uh, Cannon, if if y'all want to follow along got several scriptures this morning. You might want to get your pencils and papers out if you're interested in hearing what we have to give to you this morning. But of that day and hour no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I would be amiss, and anybody else would be amiss, and you would be amiss to listen when somebody sets dates of when Jesus is coming back. It says it right here, nobody knows. It's time to move on and quit worrying about it. There are books written, there are TV shows about it, about when Jesus is coming back. We're going to look at the signs of the times he tells us to be ready, but this message this morning is something that will hopefully get us to the place that we're going to be looking for the return of Jesus. All right, go to verse 27, "...but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be." For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The eating, the drinking, the marrying, the giving in marriage, these things that he's talking about, it shows us that they were indifferent. Life is going on. God spoke to this fella. He's gone and he's building a big boat. It ain't never rained. We don't even know what a flood is. You're using a word, we don't have a clue what's going on. You got to be the nut. That's the way the world looks at you and I today, believers. You got to be a nut. And we're going to finish out with something that's going to be a little stiff. I'm going to warn you now before we get there. That's the way they looked at him. They were indifferent. They could care less. Why? Because life was good. That's what that indicates. And it says that they did not know. That was their ignorance. See, ignorance simply means that you don't know. And their ignorance was showing that they didn't know until the flood came. And I asked the question, why in the world didn't they know? Because if you read about this, this man named Noah, he spent 100 years building a boat. 100 years. Clyde Roberts understands what that means. None of us do. Some of you youngsters, it's 80, 85, 86 years old, you don't even know you're getting close. But for a hundred years, and, and that just shows you've heard it. Sister Frances, I'm not telling you age, but you ain't, you ain't 21. You've been hearing it for a long time, ain't you? Jesus is coming back. But Seventy or eighty. Years. 70 or 80 as she said it, I didn't. I just repeated it in case you didn't hear. You're in church now, don't be lying. Been here in a long time. That's the point. And for all this time, they could not claim ignorance simply because he had told them. Because you know, when a fellow starts doing something in the neighborhood that nobody knows what it is and what's going on, what's going to happen? Everybody wants to know what's going on. What is that thing? Well, you go ask him. I'm not asking him. I'll go ask him. Hey. What are you doing? I'm building an ark. About 5,000 years from now they're going to call it a boat, but it's, the, I'm building an ark. Why? Because it's going to come in rain. What's that? Well, it's water that comes out of the sky. Oh. What's it do? It floats. Why? so much water is going to come everything is going to be underwater they had streams, they knew what was going on lakes and ponds I'm sure oh it's going to be lasting for a long time you know why? because God said he is tired of your wicked ways and he's going to destroy everything and everyone oh I'm going to go home and get a salmon do you want anything? no, I've got work to do so he goes back and he tells everybody, they knew. Inquisitive minds want to know, come on, you, you stood in the grocery line, you picked up that inquire when you're sitting there. Or you, nah, maybe you didn't pick it up, but I know your eyeballs went over there. See who's losing weight, who's divorcing who, I mean, my goodness, it's unreal. But they didn't know. They didn't know why, because they chose not to know. They didn't want to know. And so we get to talk about, and I'm going to take you back to this place of where Noah is to see what Jesus was talking about. He was doing what? Whenever he said those words that we read in Matthew 24, he was doing what? He was giving a warning. And for as long as Sister Francis has been around and for as long as I have been a, a Christian, ministers have been giving the warning. God is coming back. Now, he ain't saying he's going to destroy everything this time around, but he's coming back. And I need you to understand today before you walk out of this church, don't be religious and just show up in fancy clothes and know, and know some Bible scriptures. No, I mean have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know who he is, you can find him today. You can meet him today. He will come into your life because he wants to be there. And the warning is this. You die on the way home today in a car race. somebody T-bones you up here at the corner. The game is over. It doesn't matter if Jesus comes back for his church for another hundred years. For you, the game is over. And if you don't know when you're going to die, which you don't. Let me see your hands if you know when you're going to die. Okay. That tells us that God was giving us a warning. Jesus was telling men for all ages from when he was there and the Bible was written... There's a warning coming, there's a day coming, he's coming back. What's it going to be like? It's going to be just like in the days of Noah. Well, how do we know what that is? Well, we've got to pick our Bible up and we've got to read it. So let's go back to Genesis. We're going to be Genesis chapter 4, 5, and 6 probably. But this is what is going on. You see, there was something happening back then. It's called secularism. And it comes from philosophy. Do you know? that the American, our forefathers, came over. We like to talk about how great they were, and they were great men who have opened up our country, but they came for religious freedom. But you want to know one of the things that was driving their thinking? Philosophy. Philosophy that came from the Greeks, that came from the Spartans. Their mindset was came that way, and that's why we have taken to looking and being indifferent about God. They learned how to reason. And that's an attribute that God has given us, but we've done so much reasoning that we have 8,000 denominations in America today from one Word of God, from one Jesus Christ, from one Lord, one Savior, one God. And that's what is going on today because man has said, I know how to figure it out. And we don't walk by faith anymore. And that's exactly what was going on with these people. They had philosophy that was askew. And the same thing Satan was doing back then, he's doing today. You know why I know that? Simply because we have differences of church clothes and our blue jeans to work in the garden in. We have the sanctuary... and we go to our job. If you look at a skyscraper in New York City where we were at the other week, I can tell you now that God gets glory for that regardless of what was going on in the heart of the man that designed it or regardless of what was going on in the man that helped put it together. You see, we do the stuff of up here is good and down here is bad. But if we start looking and realizing that God is in everything... On your job, God can receive glory, whether or not you're sweeping the floors, whether or not you're designing ammunition, whether or not you're a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer, or whether or not you're a clergyman. He's there. In our mindset, we take and separate the two. We're the biggest ones of separation of church and state. We're the biggest ones of separation of church and life. God does not live inside this building until we show up. The Holy Ghost don't move until we allow Him to move. The anointing doesn't flow until we allow ourselves to come together with God and to walk alongside Him. That's what happens, but we have taken it for, and it's no fault of our... Oh, Brother Clyde Roberts ain't even old enough to say that no, it happened to us because it did the Greek philosophers set the mindset in the way of thinking and the way of thinking that's going on today is men are lovers of themselves and whatever you want, whatever you feel like is good for you. It's just not for me. And we've taken to the place that we don't want to give that word. We won't sit down and have the strong conversation at the place where Scripture seems to split. Can I tell you this? Scripture does not split. God didn't mean it four different ways. If he did, he would tell us. He's not going to cripple you and then blame you for limping. And that's the same problem that was going on back then. God, Jesus said it's going to be as in the days of Noah. What's going on? Men's going to be making up their own minds. Well, I ain't never heard of that before well let me go ask brother such and such. No, you need to be talking to the Holy Ghost and you need to be reading the Bible when the Bible says He will teach you all things. The master commentator is the Holy Spirit. And where does He get His information from? Jesus Christ. You want to know what the Word says? Fast and pray. We're starting a fasting for 21 days here. Fast and pray and seek God and see what He's saying. Fast and pray and they seek God and see where He wants you to go and what He wants you to do. That's where we're at. The Hebrew word for, for uh, uh, well, let me, let, me, let me just read uh, Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only, ev- on, was only evil continually. You see, they fashioned in their minds wicked philosophy. They fashioned in their minds about the vile sins that were going on. And they endeavored to pour the society into that mold. Are we in that day today, brothers and sisters? Our nation has said it's okay for Bob and Bill to get married. Our nation has said it's okay for Bob and Bill to have some kids that they adopt. Our nation has said all this is good. Do you see where I'm going with this? And they're changing laws, they're making laws and saying you're going to fit into this mold whether you like it or not. Are we there yet? Hmm. There's one acceptable bigotry that is going on in this world right now. One. Colored people and white people don't like each other in some places. The Asians don't like the the Latinos and the Latinos, you know, the Mexicans don't like the Puerto Ricans. Why? Because they're selfish. They get compared to all this. That's some of the things that goes on. I'm not here to fight that battle with you. But there's one bigotry that is okay. You see, we can't talk about that, preacher. You just got on, on on a bad subject. No, I got on a subject that's real. But there's one thing that is okay according to the world's eyes. You won't hear them talking about it on Fox News or CNN. And that's the bigotry of you can put down and you can talk about Bible-believing Christians and nobody's going to say anything about it. Are we there yet? Yes, we are. You can choose whether or not you want to hear the word or not. You can choose whether or not you want to hear me give the word or not. But that was what was going on, the secularism of their mindset. Their philosophy was off. Where have you ever heard this term? Well, how does that make you feel? $90 an hour laid on on the couch. They'll give you some synthetic drugs. And How does that make you feel? Well, it feels pretty good. Until three months, your body gets used to it. How are you feeling? Not so good. Let me give you something else. No, Jesus can take care of that. You don't got to lay on the couch. It don't cost any money. And you don't have to take any dope. Amen. But that's the philosophy mindset that we have. We like to think these things through. We like to think we're smarter than we are. Let me let you in on a secret. And I said this to me this morning, so now I've done said it to me. You ain't all that. You ain't as smart as you think you are. Put Jesus in the center, hold on to him and follow him and it's going to be good. As the junk you come carrying in this morning, you don't have to carry it if Jesus has got your heart. You just give it to him. He said, I'll take on your burdens. Okay then, here they are. And he will. They had some scientific progress. You know how I know because the guys like Darwin and all these people said they were cavemen or they were part ape and they walked around like this didn't know how to build a fire this guy built a boat so they had some kind of scientific progress that was going on do we have scientific progress going on look in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 17 and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city did you see that? he built a city not a village Not in a little shanty town. He built a city. And called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And as, uh, go to verse 22. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. He was doing stuff with bronze and iron. This is the Bible. Is it real or not? Is it true or not? So they had something going on that is now similar to us. We got fabricators that work in here. They can take a piece of metal and do great things with it. They can make things that we need. But that's what they did. You see, Noah built an ark. They built cities. What have we got going on in our modern times? If Brother Clyde was here, Brother Clyde could tell you a whole lot. He's 103. Whenever he was coming up, and when he was born, automobiles had just started. And unless you had a lot of dineros or money, you didn't have one. So he used what? He used his feet, a horse, and a buggy or a wagon. When they had to get supplies, they either carried them or they put them on the wagon. By the time he's 30 years old, and now that's just to show where the mindset is, where it is, You know, when he was born, I'm 50 years old now. He can say, you know, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, they had the Civil War. I'm thinking like that about Vietnam at this time frame. You see where I'm talking about? I'm putting it in, trying to put it in a perspective. But by the time he's 35 years old, they've split an atom and melted people in Japan twice to end a war. They had big, huge ships that could float. They could fire cannons and they could fire missiles. They could fire uh, these bullets for hundreds of miles. So you see, the advancement has happened and we've had that same kind of advancement. Look at today. My goodness, when I was growing up, we had a rotary phone. There was no answer machine. You didn't get a hold of them. You tried back till they got home. Party lines. I remember my grandma had one of those. Now, look at us. You know, we have a cell phone, a smartphone. You can look up anything you want on here. I can check the weather. I can check emails. I mean, right now, at this very moment, I could send an email to Joshua over in India, and if he happens to get this email and is not doing something, we could sit here and talk back and forth. So, you tell me things have changed in the last hundred years. And we can't just say that it's for the bad. No, God's in it all. This is a good tool. It can be a bad tool too. That's up to me. It's what's going on right here. I mean, guns don't kill people. People kill people. They just choose to use guns. Take the guns away. What are they going to do? They're going to go back to Cain and Abel. Pick a rock up, bash his head in. Same difference, he's out of your way. Why? Because it was a heart issue. It's what was going on in the heart. So they had this scientific progress. As in the days of Noah. I'm, that's what I want you to see. And he was comparing it to that. They had social plays. Go to Genesis 6 and 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of the flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Folks, those days were filled with violence. Why do I know that? But the Bible says so. Are our days filled with violence? I read you something a couple, three weeks ago about some statistics. Our world is plumb full of violence. It's everywhere. In Genesis 4 and 23, then Lamech said to his wives, well, now, right there, let's stop right there. There's something else that you find out. Now the dude's got two wives, marrying two women, polygamy. Do you think their minds were off? We talk about that today, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's like telling somebody that you saw a deer cross the road. It's like telling somebody you saw a deer cross the road that could care less that a deer crossed the road. I could tell Brother David, 11-point, when he gets up, leaves church right now, goes get the gun. And I'd go with him, but I'm the preacher. Do you see what my point I'm trying to get to you this morning? So there's a lot of things going on. But he said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold in Lamech seventy-sevenfold. What does that tell us? The guy hurt him and he killed him. Now we kind of can do the same things with our mouths. We can destroy a person's reputation and never fire a shot. But listen to what he said. Well if Cain gets this, then I get 77. He says he deserves it. Do we live in a day and age today when somebody does me wrong? I'm getting it to them and they deserve it. And we can go to any church we want and find 15 members that will tell us, yeah, you're right. Can I tell you something? That's not in the Bible. Live peaceably with all men as what is best what is best for you. If you can, if you possibly can. But revenge ain't your vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I shall repay. The, repay. replay. The very minute that we take that and we say, no, I'm going to do the avenging, I'm going to get the revenge, God just showed you for yourself to look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm not your God because I didn't say that. I didn't approve of that. Read my word. Ignorance is not the place to be. Indifference is not the place to be. You see, indifference would be me not telling you that from the pulpit for fear that you're going to walk out the door and never come back. That's what the indifference is. Well, it is what it is. You see, It takes some preaching to let people know what's going on. And that's what God is doing. When he told these people back then, he gave them the warning of what was happening. He's doing it today. And he needs ministers that's going to do it today. He needs Christians that's going to do it today. He needs every one of us so that the truth can be known. Our philosophy says this. Our philosophy says, well, what do you think? Well, I don't see it that way. Ain't but one book folks God said it It is what it is And until it gets inside of here We're going to have those kinds of thoughts We're going to be wavering back and forth On what we believe or don't believe We're going to be asking everybody else What their opinion is And why do we do that Because we have some kind of justification Justification These people felt justified in their sin And it's 5 till, And I'm going to keep going If you need to go Be careful We love you. All if you need anything. But this was a man that was eaten up with revenge. You see that? He had so much revenge in him. And why? he's He's into polygamy. We go to the place of sexual perversion. Do we have that in our... You see, I just read you something out of Matthew. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus tacked a little more on to us so we know where we're at. Verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it also would be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot. Now God, Jesus himself has said, I'm also going to compare those last times as in the days of Lot. What went on in Lot? I mean, yeah, Sodom. Sodom, Sodomy, homosexuality. That's what went on with Lot. So it's like they they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Folks, we can't sit around idle anymore. What does God say about what went on in there? He's talking about sexual perversions. Leviticus 20 and 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. We go to the New Testament in Romans one and twenty-seven says likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burning their lust for one another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due or the or the better good way to say it or the due penalty of their error you see that's one sin and has its own penalty we have something called AIDS going around today. I can tell you how you can fix AIDS and you ain't got to spend a billion dollars doing it. It's let Jesus Christ come into your heart and fix you, and you're going to have one man, one woman for life. Problem solved. You're not going to have all the STDs going around. Problem solved. You're not going to have babies that's got to be medicated because mom and daddy don't love each other and living here and there. Problem solved. Why are you going to have that? Because of something called L-O-V-E, unconditional love in the Bible. And that means it keeps no record of wrong. You got nothing to fight about if Jesus Christ is at the center of your heart. Amen? Amen. And if you got something to fight about, how can you fix it? You go to the Lord and you go to the Lord in prayer, but you got to go seeking the answer. You got to go seeking Him to fix it. Because if you ain't seeking, whenever He tells you, you ain't listening. But if you want something fixed, you go to him. He'll fix it. Amen? Now, we have people in this world who say that's all right. And it's to be approved. God says in Romans 1, 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. That means they can't think straight. You ever try telling somebody something that's the truth, the gospel truth? It's like talking to a tree. It's because they have a debased mind. Brothers and sisters sitting in here today, there's some truth that's coming out of the Bible. You know why I know this? Because there's 8,000 denominations in America. That's what's going on. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is coming back. And he's taking his bride, his church. He's taking them. Who ain't his? Selfish prosperity is another thing that we have. We don't give to the poor and help them anymore. I think you and I applaud you for what you have did through this, this, this time of Thanksgiving and Christmas. We took 20-some 20 meals, 21 meals out to families in this community. And the ones houses that we and me and Sweetie went to, I'm praying for them. I was hoping to see them come into church. That don't matter. We're gonna pray for them. We showed up and we gave, and I wasn't expecting anything in return. And I still don't. But we have a problem with that today. We like to form committees and see if they're worth if they're worthy of receiving $500 from the church. We sit down and we play God and we say oh they don't deserve that yeah, they did this they did that and then we have world philosophy that comes in called wisdom let me read you something Ezekiel 16 and 49 look this is the iniquity of your sister Sodom she and her daughter had pride fullness of food and abundance of idleness and neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy and they were haughty and committed abomination before me therefore I took them away as I saw fit it gets quiet in here when you talk about money don't it if it strings on your heart surface I'm going to tell you who your God is if you can't follow Jesus Christ without worrying what's going to happen with the dollar bill You need to find out who he is today. I'm going to read one more piece of scripture with you. And I didn't even write it down. I'm going to find it though. Bear with me for a minute. We're going to read about the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Does everybody know that parable? I'm going to correct something that I've been telling y'all for a few years because I didn't know. And I've asked God, I begged him, man, if I do something wrong, I say it wrong, let it give me the chance to make it right, please. I don't be the responsible for nobody falling because I told them a falsehood out of your word. I used to say that, well, some of them were spirit-filled and they got to go, and the other ones were believers and they didn't get to go. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything at all about that. I just had to apply that myself. You see what I'm talking about, our philosophy thinking? We like to reason it out ourselves. It doesn't say anything about those other foolish brides at all, other than the fact they missed out. Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to to, uh, ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. You know what? We've been around this thing for 2,000 years waiting on Jesus to come back. It's going to be easy to get slumbered and sleeping. Preachers been preaching this morning, you're having a hard time holding your head up because you're watching that game last night. That's why they make DVRs for. Don't tell me no scores. I ain't seen it yet. And if we ain't careful, we get caught, not ready for Jesus to come back. And when he comes back, he's only taking his church. Can I get an amen on that one? He is only taking his church. Not that you sit in church and got a pen for attending for 25 years. No, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Is he still growing you? Are you still allowing him to fix you? Are you still allowing him to bring you more into his likeness? That's what we're talking about here. Because the ones that didn't make it I I wanted to get you there so you can read it You can finish it up yourself I used to say that the spirit filled ones You know the Pentecostal guys Got to defend the Holy Spirit filling thing And I used to defend that And say well they were spirit filled But now these guys over here in this church They weren't That ain't it at all He's talking about hypocrites You see a hypocrite thinks he's okay Okay A hypocrite will go, if you read it there, he says they went and they knocked on the door and said, Lord, let us in. And he says, I don't know you. That's right. That's where it takes us to. They didn't get in. He didn't know them. Why? Because they played the game, but they didn't know who the coach was. They played the game, and the coach didn't get to call the shots. They were uncoachable. They couldn't learn. They knew it all, they knew everything. They knew how to show up. They knew what to do. And whenever the bridegroom came, they didn't get to make it. You see, you can only act for so long. A hypocrite is an actor. That's why the TV shows are only an hour long, some of them. Because a the guy don't live like that 24 hours a day. They put the act on, the performance on. They got their performance, and then they get to back down and be themselves. But these people had their lamps trimmed and filled with all the ones that made it. No, they were the ones that through the rough times they went to the word of God, they got on their face in prayer, they sought God and let God grow them through it. And the ones who were the hypocrites, the play actors, the ones that didn't make it is the ones that they fall away very, very easily. And that's what he's talking about. Did you know That it's good sound preaching that makes the difference. So many pulpits today will not do that. They're looking for the crowd. I'd love to see this church filled up, but I am not going to sacrifice truth for for seats being filled. Noah was a preacher, and then I'm about done. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. Brother Don, you got a song on your heart? Come on up. It's good if the Holy Ghost pleases. If you're here to perform, he can't use it. If you're here to hear him perform you won't receive a thing. You'll feel good about it for a minute, but you won't receive nothing. Because this word this morning hit us close to home. Peter says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 2 Peter 2 and 5 And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. The Word of God. It's going to take some men and women. You in your workplace. It's going to take some men and women. You that may get called to be a preacher someday. It's going to take that. And it's going to take the Word of God. And you need to know you're going to be fighting some battles. You need to know that there's going to be an uphill battle. You need to know that there may be a time that we may have to sit in jail to preach what I just preached this morning because it ain't fun and feel good. You need to understand that that there may be some persecution coming but Jesus Christ said remember this if they hate you they hated me first. We need to understand and know that. But we also need to sound the alarm. There was a man that stood there in a city and he built a boat and he said this is what God says. And do you know what happened on that day when the rain stayed? It may have been a beautiful morning, I don't know. But on that day when God said, Noah, get your family and get in. And he shut the door. It started to rain. And that door, when it was closed and it was pitched in and without, it kept out the water, but who else did it keep out? It kept out those who did not believe. Jesus is coming back. And the signs are telling us it's very soon look around you you see you can't if you if you talk to the itching ears you can never get to the truth because the itching ears don't want to hear the truth because if their itch don't get scratched what do you do I mean I get up against this thing right here to scratch my back because I can't reach back I, you will see my walls at home and I got to maneuver till I get to the spot that's what itching ears do I'll maneuver until I get to the one I like. The truth will set you free. That generation of people were warned. Our generation, folks, has been warned. And I want to invite you to fill out your prayer request. I want to invite you to come in and pray with us tonight at 6 o'clock. I'm gonna ask you a question. What's gotta to happen to get you to the prayer service? Do you gotta lose the job? Does your baby gotta get cancer? The most important church service, and yeah, I'm ten minutes over. I know. The most important service we got today is gonna to be that prayer service tonight. What's it gonna take? What's it going to take to get people to come to prayer service? Do you got to get the terminal illness? Is that what it's going to take? Because if that's what it's going to take, your philosophical mind mind is going to go to the place, then why did God do this? And the answer is this. It rains on the just and the unjust, and He wants you. It might take that. What's it going to take? That whenever you won't be like the people of of Noah's day, whose minds were continually on evil. What is evil? We picture in our minds somebody sitting at a computer looking at porn or over in the bar drinking a beer. What about the people that do the gossiping and the backbiting? Are they not evil? And they can use some really fine words. They know how to make it happen. What's it going to take to get you to come and pray? Because it's pastor of this church and I've been praying about it. Charlie and I have been praying, Think we Charlie? He's here somewhere. Maybe he's crawled under the bench because he's like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> What's it gonna take? We've been warned. We're hoping the new president's going to put a whole lot of money in our pockets. Well, can I tell you what? There's just going to be more junk on the TV. You're going to hear more of the other junk going on. you just be richer. Maybe it ain't. We got a home in heaven, Brother Donnie, where the streets are made out of gold. That's how important gold is in heaven. They made roads out of it. How much asphalt you got sitting on your shelf at home over the fireplace? Not a bit. See my point? They were warned. And I want to ask you this morning, if you ain't where you need to be with Jesus, put pride out of your pocket. Mom and dad, if you know your child ain't where they need to be with Jesus, maybe you need to grab them by the hand and say, I'll go pray with you because they're embarrassed to that's a sad day that when people come to church they got to be embarrassed to come and receive prayer afraid how somebody's going to look at them why are they like that? because they've already heard the down talking about others we do not cast stones at this church not while I'm pastor and I can tell you now if we start casting stones I will be talking to the state overseer about this dismemberment process because we do not want you. We want Jesus to fix you. We want Jesus to take you to the place that you're going to be saved and be who you need to be for Him, and the light of God's going to shine, that people can come here from this community and know that Jesus Christ can save them, that they can come to the prayer service. But if you cannot be taught, There's a process in the books. I read it. Let God into your hearts. Let God into your hearts because the time is coming near. Don't let Jesus come back before I get through speaking today and you look around and there's a bunch of empty seats with a pile of clothes in it because can I tell you something? It don't matter how much of the Bible you knew. It don't matter how much of the Bible you thought you knew. It don't matter how much of the good you thought you did. If you're still sitting here, game is over. Come and let Jesus move into your heart. Come and let Jesus save you. Come and let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Old Ken went out on a limb just now, didn't he? I told you before I started, I didn't plan that. But I do believe God said it. And if it gets me out of here tomorrow, I'll be seeing you. But I will be telling people about Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet, if you will, this morning. Brother Donnie, you let the Holy Spirit use you.